like facts have no place with an organized religion. Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say what one more goddamn time. The zip code famous Michael Graff Show. Oh, you have got to be kidding, sir. First you think of an idea that has already been done. And then you give it a title that nobody could possibly like. The Michael Graff Show. How's the kite, everybody? Goofballs. How would you handle this? We could try ignoring it, sir. I see. Pretend nothing has happened and hope everything turns out all right in the morning. Just a thought, sir. I've considered that. Warning. The following broadcast is presented without the use of talking points, blatant hypocrisy, or Kool-Aid. You know, it's bad when this guy has to become the voice of reason. It's the return of the zip code famous Michael Groff Show. Yeah, what's going on? Welcome in. Time to fire it up again. Another edition of the Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show on the air. It is Monday, January the 10th, 2011. And here we go again. My New Year's resolution was to do more podcasts. However... In lieu of that, I have been, well, I have this announcement to make, and I might as well, this is going to be something of a heavy show, so I should get this out of the way right now. The positive stuff first. Many of you have already noticed. Some of you may not have, so I am going to encourage you to do that right now. Check it out. My beloved Hillary Fox, the website goddess, and myself, we've been working very hard, and uh, what we have up right now is the all-new michaelgroff.com. Now, it's not completely done. But we have made substantial progress on the brand new website. It is looking really great. I, I mean, Hillary gets most of the credit. Uh, I just did a little of the content, but she built it all up, did uh, just tremendous amounts of work, battled through illness. So, of course, I would be remiss and a terrible person if I didn't give her like 99% of the credit for it. So incredible stuff. And it is up, the all-new michaelgraff.com. So that is your hub to contact us. Now, you're going to notice that there are some things that aren't completely done over there yet. Um, all of our old shows, they still exist. You can still download all of the old shows, but they're not all up in the archive, the episode section of the website. If you go there, you're going to see all of our shows, every episode of the Michael Graff Show that we have done since uh, December of 2009, at least. Uh, those episodes are all up there. And uh, I'm working on, on putting up the cataloging, the description of every uh, show. So that won't be done for a few more days. But once that's all done, that'll be up. And then we'll have uh, brand new shows, uh, write-ups, blogs, uh, descriptions that go along with the show. So you can follow along everything. Not to mention, uh, there's going to be some other new and exciting features that I'm going to uh, discuss with the website goddess. We'll be adding uh, up there. So hopefully you'll check it out. It's again, michaelgraff.com. It is up, and uh, I'm very excited about it. Hill's very excited about it. We're all we're all into it. All right. Not to mention, it is fully interactive. You can leave comments. 
Um, up on the site. You can, of course, email us through the site. Donate to us via PayPal on the site. It's all up there and available. Again, it's the all-new and exciting MichaelGroff.com. So that is tremendous news. Very happy to roll that out. Something for the new year. And uh, I spent uh, the last several days have been working on that. So that's why I, I would have brought a podcast sooner, but we uh, had to take care of some of that uh, sort of house cleaning stuff. All right. Obviously, we have a million things to get into on the show today, and this is going to be, as I mentioned, a rather heavy show. Definitely a lot of very big sort of emotional stuff to get into. It has been a pretty tough five days or so for the state of Arizona. It all started actually last Wednesday. Our state just can't cut a break. We just can't get any kind of good pub whatsoever. And uh, we don't really deserve it after what's been going on the last several days uh, in the state. This is just unbelievable. So um, last Wednesday, here in the suburb of Phoenix, Chandler, some nut job goes into the Chandler Mall. And he starts indiscriminately shooting. He's just firing randomly, going nuts. Uh, I don't know, eight, nine, ten shots he fires off. Then he runs across the street to a Baja Fresh, which is a Baja-style fast food sort of Mexican joint. He takes several people hostage. And then subsequently, there is a standoff that occurs between him and police. The SWAT team are called in. And this goes on for several hours. Now, the silver lining to that particular black cloud is that police handled the situation beautifully, Nobody was injured in the fracas. Nobody was killed. Uh, in spite of the fact that the guy pumped off several shots when many people were at the mall, it was noontime, albeit on a weekday. It was last Wednesday. But nobody was injured. It was uh, about the best news, the best of a bad situation. The guy is hopefully going to remain behind bars. Of course, that's assuming that there's not a paperwork mix-up like there was in another case last week here in the state where an individual who shot at a couple of DPS officers was accidentally let out of jail. Now, those two incidents at face value would have been enough to be embarrassing for the state of Arizona, but unfortunately, it got a lot worse this weekend, obviously. Now, this story has three different levels that are absolutely disgusting to me, and I'll get into those in just a few minutes. But it all started Saturday morning. Congresswoman Gabrielle Giffords, who is a Democrat who was uh, elected to her second term now from Tucson, was meeting with constituents. She was holding a meet and greet down in Tucson at a Safeway. It's called Congress in Your Corner. Now, the purpose of this event was for the congresswoman to meet with various people whom she represents, kind of get to know the constituents, thank them for reelecting her, and just sort of a general get-together. This is a woman who just a couple of years ago was helping her father run his tire business and then decided that she didn't want to do that anymore. She wanted to serve the public. She wanted to serve the community. She wanted to serve the people of Southern Arizona. And that's exactly what she did. She ran for office in 2008. She won. She then ran again. She uh, went for reelection here in 2010 and she won. And so uh, she is she's been living out her dream, serving the public. And then everything turned tragic when a depraved human being, and I use the term very loosely, ran out of the crowd, got several feet away from the congresswoman, and began indiscriminately spraying bullets everywhere. Of course, one of the shots struck the congresswoman in the head, actually a shot that went clear through her head. When all was said and done, six people were dead, an additional dozen were shot, 
And among those killed at the scene was a federal judge by the name of John Roll, an elderly couple that had supported Congresswoman Giffords, and a nine-year-old girl named Christina Taylor Green. This story, this is the really heart-wrenching part. You think of most nine-year-old girls as wanting to go out and play with dolls, listen to music, just be anywhere else, be kids. But she was interested in the political process. She was the president of her student council. She wanted to attend this. Hopefully, she was really hoping to meet uh, Congresswoman Giffords. And now she's dead. And the really weird part of this whole story is uh, this Christina Taylor uh, Green. She was born on September 11th, 2001, during the most deadly terror attack in the history of the United States of America. And she was killed by one of the worst homegrown terrorists ever to strike in the state of Arizona. Which, of course, brings me to the matter of the shooter himself, the depraved human being. And that's really the theme that I want to get to about all of this, is that he is a depraved human being by the name of Jared Loftner, a 22-year-old who uh, a lot has been learned about him from anything from looking at his Facebook to his MySpace, his Twitter account. And, uh, of course, the feds have gone into his home. He lived with his parents. They have found... Uh, some of the notes that he has written, they're going through his computer to find out anything else that they possibly can about him and build a psychological profile. But what we do know about him was he liked, uh, well, he has many books that he liked to read. He had many controversial YouTube postings. And one of the things that he was most interested in, he his uh, the authors that he cites most that he liked to read, well, he liked uh, George Orwell and you know Brave New World and all that kind of stuff. But he was mostly into... Adolf Hitler and Karl Marx, two completely opposite ends of the political spectrum. But he was clearly anti-government, anti-just about everything. He really, really had just a very bizarre psychological profile that we are going to go through very, very soon. But uh, if there is, again, a small, tiny, I don't want to say insignificant, but if there is just the tiniest bright spot, the tiniest silver lining to this whole thing, so when this depraved, disgusting, quote, human being, Jared Loeffner, opened fire, when, he, when he was done firing, he was about to reload and go for another barrage of shots when three people stopped him. One guy hit him with a chair. Another person, a former military man, took him down to the ground. And a third, a 61-year-old woman actually wrestled away the magazine that was in his hand that contained another 30 rounds that he was going to fire off into the crowd. I mean, those are the heroes. Those are people that really have some brass balls. I got to tell you that right now. I, I mean, who thinks to do that? Who thinks to just all of a sudden take somebody that has, um, that's just shot and, and injured and killed a bunch of people and who's firing just, uh, just like crazy and who looks like a crazed individual and uh, all of a sudden, you just think, you know what? I got to go stop this guy. I got to do something. But apparently, three people, including a 61-year-old woman, thought just that. I guess they figured they had nothing else to lose. So they went and they tackled his ass. And thank God for people like that. I only wish somebody had had a weapon of their own there and would have just taken this guy out before he would have even had the chance to do any of this. Just a truly horrible and tragic story. I told you this thing disgusted me on three different levels. Obviously, the very act itself of just shooting a congresswoman and everybody else like that, that was, that was prong number one of how bad this thing was.
Then, in the 48 hours since the incident, prongs number two and three to the disgusting nature of this story and humanity have really emerged. So I made the mistake of actually going on to some of the local sites like azcentral.com, which is a part of the Arizona Republic, a local newspaper here in Phoenix, to find out more information about the story, maybe do a little bit of research. And of course, attached with every news story nowadays is a section of comments. They always have reader comments. Very rarely do they ever disable those. This might have been a time to just disable the comments. And of course, I guess maybe it's the masochistic side of me, but I had to read them. There were over 350 comments that had been posted in the 45 minutes since the story went live on the website. The first few comments were fairly innocuous. In fact, they were really rather sweet and touching with people wishing thoughts and prayers to the family of Gabrielle Giffords and everybody else that had been injured or killed in the tragedy. Other people commenting on just how sick and disgusting the whole thing is. Some people even attacking the shooter himself, which I don't see any problem with that either. The comments that followed, though, and the rhetoric that went on and has gone on since, truly just sickening. One such comment read, another fine representative of the Tea Party. Good job, guys. And then another comment talking about liberal policies finally coming home to roost, dot, dot, dot. You get the idea. Individuals were burning up servers everywhere to be the first to excoriate anyone who has a diametrically opposed view to their own. In just a disgusting display of the tone of this country, it seemed that everyone was just more eager to beat down and to assault and to point the finger and blame everybody else for what went on here. Conservatives, liberals, uh, independents, libertarians, progressives, and non-progressives alike, everyone seemed to want to take shot at everyone else just because they could and just because it felt like the right thing to do. Everyone else was responsible for the rhetoric and the tone and the ultimate actions of this particular individual. And that seemed to be the general theme of what everyone was saying. And it wasn't even done in a constructive way. It was just hateful, angry, and bitter-toned rhetoric. Further was I disgusted when I turned on talk radio today and I heard Rush Limbaugh and Randy Rhodes alike doing exactly what I was afraid they would do. Rush Limbaugh was blaming this on the liberals, whereas Randy Rhodes and her gaggle of callers were blaming anything from guns to George W. Bush to Sarah Palin to just the overall tone of conservative talk radio. It seemed everyone was blaming somebody for the problems that were going on here, except for, well, except for Jared Loeffner. You might remember the guy that actually committed the acts in the first place. Yeah, you know, the guy that took the gun and went to the uh, rally there and he decided to shoot the congresswoman and other people. That's the person you blame. Rush Limbaugh and Randy Rhodes, Tom Hartman, Bill O'Reilly, Glenn Beck, they're all about as responsible for this incident as they are the sinking of the Titanic. They had absolutely nothing to do with it. It is not a symptom of talk radio. It is a symptom of a depraved individual. At what point in this country do we put the blame on the individual? At what point in this country do people have to take personal accountability and responsibility? At what point is it that we stop putting the blame for everything on entertainers, the blame on just rhetoric and words, and instead we focus on the actions of the insane? 
Both the left and the right need to tone down the rhetoric. Both sides are equally guilty of dishing out just incredible name-calling, incredible slander, incredibly horrible and insensitive remarks toward the other side. Both sides have ramped it up in this need to feel like we have to entertain, we have to push the envelope, and we have to drive more ratings here, more listeners, so we can get higher confiscatory ad rates. Well, at some point, maybe you ought to just step back and understand this, too. It's entertainment. That's what talk radio is. People that take it that seriously and people that believe that talk radio is somehow just managing to change the world and that talk radio is somehow there, you know, speaking to this guy and influencing this guy. That's just ridiculous. This is a depraved soul. So you might say, well, that's prong number one and prong number two. So what part of this, where's prong number three to this disgusting story? Well, prong number three well, maybe we should take a break first. Maybe that's my tease. All right, we'll take a break and I'll come back and I will tell you what the really disgusting part of this story is and what I'm truly afraid of in all of this. So we have the act itself. We have the reaction of the American people, who has, which has just been absolutely disgusting, which has just been horrible, horrendous. Uh, people just too busy blaming each other and not really paying attention to what's going on around them. And then we have part number three. And who is this guy anyway? Who is this Jared Loeffner? Well, we found out a lot about him. We found out that he is he, he was feared by people around him. This was a guy that was in a community college for five years, by the way. He was in a community college. He was doing a summer school course. People were afraid of him. His classmates were weirded out by him. The teacher was so weirded out by him that he would, he didn't even want to turn around and have his back to the kid. He thought he was going to open fire on him. The college booted him out and said that we're not going to let you back in until you get a certificate from a mental institution that says that, you know, you're not going to kill us all. So this was a person that, that had, there was a lot of red flags. There was a lot of telltale signs. And yet right now on radio everywhere, we're too busy blaming the Tea Party or the liberals or I, I don't know, Bush or Clinton. or so We're blaming just everybody except for the kid, the, the sick piece of crap that did this in the first place, which is really the person that deserves 100% of the blame for this. Not the gun, not the bullets, not the rhetoric. The person that actually committed the act. I know, I know. What I'm really afraid of in all of this, that's coming up. Also, I have to talk about this. Uh, I've had now, it's official, I'm up to 20 people have sent me this, either on Facebook, on, on Messenger, on email, uh, whatever, but via smoke signal. Some people have actually just talked to me about this in person or on the phone. Uh, this guy, this uh, homeless guy, who is the golden voice of radio, the fellow by the name of Ted Williams. We're going to talk about this and uh, what the deal is with this story. And uh, boy, you talk about something else that just makes my uh, head spin just a little bit. And that's that story. Plus, of course, we've got the Michael Grob Show stupid news file. And who knows what else we'll get into. Uh, there's still a lot to talk about. It's uh, more coming up. And of course, I encourage you, check it out, the all-new michaelgroff.com. Thank you. <laughs> it's there, it's up, and it's available. It's the one, the only, Zip Code Famous, Michael Groff Show. We'll be back. You're listening to the Zip Code Famous. Zip Code Famous. Michael Groff Show. michaelgroff.com. 
segment number two. It's the Zip Code Famous Michael Graff Show on a Monday, January 10th, 2011. Our email address, mike at kmgx.com, but really all of our contact information and ways to listen to this show, our donation links, which we, of course, encourage, they're all available at the all-new and exciting michaelgroff.com. The new hub for the excitement that is the one and only Zip Code Famous Michael Graff Show. One of these days, maybe I'll be the real voice of the internet. I told you. Uh, so this this whole story over the weekend—it's just such a tragic story that went on with Congresswoman Gabrielle Giffords, and everything that has happened subsequently has just been on par in the level of disgusting uh, with the actual story itself. And I, I must say. That uh, I told you, prong number one, this is a pre- three-pronged, a, a triple-pronged bit of horrendous disgust that I feel for this story. Prong number one is the actual act itself. And let's not forget, committed by Jared Loeffner, the 22-year-old insano that just that went nuts. He decided he was going to kill people. Prong number two to the story, of course, was the is the rhetoric, the fact that everybody in the United States seems to want to blame everybody else for the problem that's gone on here. The fact that everybody in the United States, or for, for whatever reason, everybody on talk radio wants to blame anybody else that's diametrically opposed to their own personal viewpoints. We can't just ever have a... a a sit-down discussion. We can't have any sort of reasonable discourse. We have to immediately point the finger at, well, you disagree with me, so it's the fault of your party. You people incited this. It's you Tea Partiers. It's you liberals. It's you conservatives. It's you libertarians. It's you independents. No, that you know, it's that kind of thing. It's the fact that, and again, I, I said this before. I, I'll continue to say it. I don't blame, listen, Rush Limbaugh, Randy Rhodes, they're all as responsible for this as they are the sinking of the Titanic, the destruction of the, the, the Hindenburg explosion or anything else. They have nothing to do with this. I blame the guy that did it. So that's prong number two. And prong number three to this story, the thing that makes this even more disgusting, is the fact that this guy is, you know he's not really going to do much jail time for this. Right now, he's being held without bond because he's a danger to himself and society. However, you know that what's going to happen is he's not going to do any jail time. And history tells us that people that are crazy like this don't do any jail time. What will happen is he'll get a public defender and said public defender will make sure that he doesn't do a single day in jail. Instead, he'll go to a mental institution because he'll be considered insane they'll plead insanity now while i call him insane i don't call him insane in the way that you know insane people are insane i call him insane just because what he did was so heinous and so disgusting and just such a a blight on humanity itself that that's why i call it an insane act it's insane in the sense that it's it's impossible for me to even conceive of that somebody could just be so soulless, so cowardice, so heartless as to run out into a crowd and just indiscriminately start firing off shots just for no apparent reason whatsoever, aside from the fact that the guy read Mein Kampf 
and Brave New World and 1984 and anything from Karl Marx and all these other guys, that, all these other authors that he read. This guy concocted scenarios in his head and that is how he got to be crazy. No other way. So the fact that they're going to plead insanity means he's not going to do any uh, time in jail. Now, you think you think I'm nuts. I know you probably think I'm just as crazy as this guy because I don't think he's going to do jail time. No, he's not. You know, he faces the death penalty, of course. Here in the state of Arizona, we have the death penalty. And anybody that would argue against me on the death penalty for this guy, I mean, come on, really? You're going to argue the death penalty with me on this one? There's no way. This guy, the judge today, they had a hearing today just, just where the judge reads the charges against him and the maximum possible penalty. There's not even a plea of guilty or innocence. The next phase of the trial will occur on January 24th. But I mean, it's going to be a long time before there's actually a trial there, you know, but before there's actually, if it even goes that far, they're going to have a whole thing where they're going to try and figure out if this guy can even stand trial in the first place. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's not going to happen. There is, there is total precedent for this. They're going to plead insanity. And uh, well, look, it's happened before. You know, this isn't, in spite of what people are telling you and they're saying, oh, this is Rush Limbaugh's fault, this is the Tea Party fault, this is the, look, long before there was a Rush Limbaugh, a Tea Party, Republicans, Democrats, whatever, uh, well, at least it, before there was talk radio, which seems to be getting the vast majority of all the attention, before there was talk radio, there were other people that actually attacked elected officials, believe it or not. Yeah, it actually happened in our history. We've actually had presidential assassinations. James Garfield, JFK. It has happened. And what better example than, of course, John Hinckley Jr. You might remember John Hinckley Jr. He's the guy that shot at President Reagan. John Hinckley Jr. was a weird dude, though. That was the closest thing to pleading insanity. I mean, that guy really was insane. Uh, John Hinckley Jr. thought that well, first of all, he was obsessed with Jodie Foster to the point where he watched the movie Taxi Driver on a continuous loop. Yeah, he would watch the, the same movie, he would watch Taxi Driver on a continuous loop for days. He wanted, he went to different events where Jodie Foster was at. He tried to stalk Jodie Foster. And in fact, he thought that by shooting the president of the United States, he would get her attention and she would fall madly in love with him. That's how deranged an individual that John Hinckley Jr. was. So, of course, after he committed the act, after he shot at President Reagan, and by the way, missed, and not only did he miss President Reagan, but he wound up hitting James Brady. Uh, he hit, uh, I'm trying to remember who else. There was a police officer that he hit in the whole incident. Whatever. In 1982, he was charged with 13 offenses. Uh, they found him not guilty by reason of insanity on June 21st, 1982. The defense, uh, the psychiatric reports by, provided by the defense, of course, showed that he was insane. The prosecution psychiatric reports showed that he was sane. And uh, let's see. The... Um, the verdict led to widespread dismay, and as a result, the, uh, the, our Congress and a number of states rewrote laws that the insanity defense, you, know, you had to have different standards. The insanity defense had been used in less than 2% of all felony cases, and uh, uh, it was unsuccessful in almost 75% of all those cases. But of course, that percentage subsequently went up following this. 
look, that John Hinckley, he, not only did he not go to jail, they put him in a mental institution. Well, check this out. Let me. So here's what happened to John Hinckley Jr. And I, there's a very good reason I'm bringing all this up. Then John Hinckley Jr. in uh, he was allowed to leave the hospital for supervised visits to his parents in 1999. And is uh, and longer unsupervised releases in the year 2000. These privileges were continued and extended in 2004 and 2005. Court hearings were held in September 2005 on whether he could uh, have expanded privileges to leave the hospital even longer. And uh, some of the testimony during the hearings um, centered on whether Hinckley was capable of having a normal relationship with a woman, and if not, whether that would have any bearing on what danger he might pose to society. So on December 30th, 2005, a federal judge ruled that Hinckley would be allowed visits. So now this guy, can he, he can leave. Uh, he can get people visiting him from the outside, even when he's in the hospital. He can be out of the hospital for days at a time, as long as he's you know with his parents hanging out. And that's not all. He's not the only one. Again, this is a guy that that thought that he could get Jodie Foster to love him if he shot President Reagan. Instead, he wound up nearly killing James Brady. He hit James Brady in the head with a bullet. And you might remember, that's the guy that authored the Brady Bill. Well, after getting shot in the head, James Brady's, pain, uh, James Brady's pain receptor in his brain got screwed up to where the guy constantly feels excruciating pain at random intervals in random parts of his body. That's what happened to him, John Hinckley Jr. So then... As if that's not enough. Then you had the case of uh, this guy, uh, what's his name, Sweeney. And I just forgot his uh, first name. I think it was Jeremy Sweeney. Let's see here. Yeah, his name, Dennis Sweeney. Dennis Sweeney, he's the guy that shot Allard Lowenstein, who was a New York representative. Back in 1980, this guy, Dennis Sweeney, walked into the office of Allard Lowenstein, who was considered by many a great representative from the state of New York. He, he just walked in, pointed a gun at him, blew, his, blew him away, killed him. Guess what happened to that guy? He pled insanity. Yeah, he was found... Uh, criminally insane in February 1981. He was convicted and served eight years in the Mid-Hudson Psychiatric Center, New York's maximum security psychiatric hospital. He was moved to a lower security psychiatric hospital and eventually, eventually, he started being released for furloughs on increasing amounts of time. And now he gets out, he leaves on 16-hour furloughs from the insane asylum. That's right. So the guy, he pled insane, not really in jail. He was just in a maximum security uh, mental institution for a few years. And now he's able to go out and interact with society again. A guy that just in cold blood walked up and shot a representative. So that's what I'm afraid of is going to happen here. And you know why I'm afraid of that? Let me tell you. So uh, this guy, Jared, uh, Jared uh, uh, Loeffner, has been appointed a public defender here in the Phoenix area. As you always get, you're always entitled to a public defender. But the public defender wanted to call on somebody else to represent him. So they called San Diego attorney Judy Clark. Now you might say, well, who the hell's that? Judy Clark is the same public defender who represented such upstanding citizens as Timothy McVeigh, the Oklahoma City bomber, 
Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber, and Susan Smith, the woman who drowned her children. Yes, this is the, this is the public defender that they're going to get to represent this guy. They're going to get Judy Clark in there, and he is going to represent, or she is going to represent uh, this, this nut job. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And they're going to plead insanity. And you know what they're going to use? They're going to use his own Facebook page. They're going to use his MySpace page. They're going to use his Twitter account. They're going to use all the stuff they find on his computer. They're going to use the notes that, that he left in a safe. They're going to use the testimony of his parents. They're going to use the testimony of other people that were with him in a classroom. They're going to use all of that, all of that as a basis to say that, yeah, clearly the guy's crazy. Everybody thought he was crazy. He acted crazy and therefore he's crazy. Now, if I was an attorney on the prosecution side, I would say it's because he has all of this stuff, the MySpace, the Facebook, the Twitter. I would say it's because that he has all of that stuff that he's not crazy. I would say that means he's very calculated in what he's doing. He was planning to kill a, congress per, a congressman of some sort. He was planning to kill people. Planning is not necessarily an insane thing. Oh, sure, the action seems insane to you and I because we are of sound mind and body. We are, we are not of the t kind of people that would just go out and kill somebody. And so you could make the argument that anybody that kills somebody is insane, but he's not. He's, he's calculated in what he did. I mean, John Hinckley Jr., I, I could make the case. Yeah, Mark David Chapman, maybe he was insane. But you know what? I don't even care if he is insane. He should still get the death penalty. He should still get death. Here in Arizona, we have lethal injection, and he should get it. He should get the needle in the arm, and he should be done. Come on, argue that. Somebody, I dare, come on, you've got to. How can you really, honestly, how can you say that this guy should be allowed to live? After what he has done, is he insane? Really? You think he is? Come on. Crazy? Not insane. So let me, let me read this to you. This is uh, what one of his classmates said about him. When he was spent uh, all those years, like five years at the community college, this is what uh, one of his classmates said about him. Uh, her name, let's see here. Uh, her name is Linda Sorensen. She had gone back to community college in Tucson in hopes of getting back on the job market. One of the classes that she took was a basic algebra class, and one of her classmates was Jared Loeffner. So um, Sorensen emailed uh, one of her friends last summer, and uh, this, these emails were uh, then subsequently uh, delivered to the Washington Post. And this is exactly what they say. Check this out. This is from the first day of class. Quote, one day down and 19 to go. We do have one student in the class who was disruptive today. I'm not certain yet if he was on drugs. As one person surmised. Uh, she says, I'm not sure if he was on drugs as one person surmised or disturbed. He scares me a bit. The teacher tried to throw him out and he refused to go. So I talked to the teacher afterward. Hopefully he will be out of class very soon and not come back with an automatic weapon. This is what one of the students said. I mean, that's, that's bone chilling. Then from June 10th, she writes, quote, As for me, Thursday means the end of the week. 
uh, means the end of week two of algebra class. It seems to be going by quickly, but then uh, I do have three weeks to go, so we'll see how I feel by then. Class isn't dull as we have a seriously disturbed student in the class, and they are trying to figure out how to get rid of him before he does something bad. But on the other hand, until he does something bad, you, you can't do anything about him. Needless to say, I sit by the door. Then from June 14th, quote, we have a mentally disturbed person in the class that scares the crap out of me. He is one of those who, whose picture you see on the news. After he has come into class with an automatic weapon, everyone interviewed would say, yeah, he was in my math class and he was really weird. I sit by the door with my purse handy. If you see on the news one night, now I got the, uh, I, if you see on the news, know that I got out fast. The class's instructor, Ben McGee, Ben McGee, said in an interview that Lofner had been removed from class in the third or fourth week because of repeated disruptions. Scary. This teacher went on to say that uh, he was afraid to turn his back to the class because he thought that this kid might just shoot him. And again, I told you about the books that this kid was reading. I told you about uh, just uh, just various posts that he had on MySpace. This guy was Everybody said, well, he's one of these Tea Party guys, or he's a liberal, or he's a, you know, he's, you know, like uh, conservatives are trying to paint him as a pot-smoking, tree-hugging liberal. Of course, they're going to blame drugs, by the way. And they're going to blame drugs. They're going to blame marijuana because he tried, this guy tried to get into the military. The military rejected him after uh, he failed a drug test. So, you know, the uh, on the right today, they're, they're painting him as a drugged-out, stoned-out, hippie, Who's, uh, whose brain was too fried to know the difference between right and wrong, and he's just a, a nutcase, and he's just an anarchist, and he's a whack job. And on the left, they're painting him as some Tea Party anti-government guy who follows the, the ramblings of Glenn Beck and Rush Limbaugh, and he uses that kind of rhetoric to incite his anger. Do you really think this guy, do you think this guy listens to Sarah Palin and goes, yeah, you know what? I am going to reload. <laughs> I am going to go. With you. Do you really think that that's what's going on here? No. He's a nut. It doesn't matter if Sarah Palin existed or not. This guy would have been a nut in the 19th century. He'd have been a nut now. Again, I remind you that... Um, assassinations and attempted assassinations of leaders, heads of state have been going on well for the last 235 years of this country and for the entire time that man has been on the planet. I mean, I don't think Rush Limbaugh or Sean Hannity were around in the 19th century and that didn't stop a guy from walking up to President Andrew Jackson, pulling out two pistols and firing them at him at point blank range. You know, the real funny part of that story, though, is both guns misfired and uh, Andrew Jackson survived because because God or something was on his side that day. Neither gun fired. Imagine a guy walks up to you, pulls out two guns, fires them at you at point blank range, and neither of them wind up going off. I'm sure, I'm sure the Tea Party will get blamed for that. The rhetoric is out of control on both sides. We know that. The fact is, uh, both sides need to stop pointing the finger at one another, and they need to just point the finger at this guy, Jared Loeffner.
He's the guy that did it. Crazed individual. That's all you need to know about him. That's it. Nothing else. And at what point do we actually blame the individual that committed the crime? Because that is ultimately who is to blame here. I mean, I don't want to interject too much logic into this discussion, but I have uh, at one point I, I have elected myself the voice of reason. So I guess I have to continue to uphold that role. Should I take a break? You know what? Let me get into this, too. So uh, you might have heard about this, and I've had about 20 people message me about this story. There's this guy, Ted Williams, better known as the golden voice of radio. Now, uh, when I first heard this story, this was uh, earlier last week. This guy, Ted Williams, not the baseball player, not the guy, not the guy who's cryogenically frozen out in Scottsdale, who's, well, whose head is cryogenically frozen in Scottsdale, who was the last baseball player to hit 400. I'm talking about Ted Williams. He's a, he's a homeless guy in uh, Ohio, I guess. And he, I guess, has a great radio voice, they say. They call him the golden voice of radio. First of all, everybody that sent me this, everybody that's either called me or sent me this on email or whatever, everybody says, I have a much better voice than this guy. They're like, you have a much better voice. He's a 53-year-old homeless man. A reporter just discovered him. They di- he discovered that the guy had a great voice, and so he decided to do a story on him. And immediately, this video went viral, and immediately the guy became a sensation. Now, this guy is getting offered all kinds of jobs. He's getting offered, uh, you know, he, he wants, they're going to have him be the, the public address announcer for the Cleveland Cavaliers games. They're going to have him be like, a, a, I don't know, a spokesman for, for, for some various uh, products. They want him to be on radio stations, etc. I guess he was a radio guy when he was younger. Old radio guy. Uh, he got into it, uh, got into the business when uh, some 35 years ago or so. And, uh, you know, the story, uh, some people reported it as a hoax. Well, it turns out the story is actually not a hoax. Turns out the story is actually true. He is a homeless guy. He is down on his luck. He uh, does have, uh, I guess, a good radio voice. But there is a little bit more to the story. First, let me play this for you. This is, uh, this is what the guy sounds like. It, it, just in case you, you haven't heard it yet, you're one of the few people that hasn't heard it. Here it is. Here is Ted Williams the golden voice. Hey, I'm going to make you work for your dollar. Say something with that great radio voice. When you're listening to nothing but the best of oldies, you're listening to Magic 98.9. Thank you so much. God bless you. Thank you. And we'll be back with more right after these words. And don't forget, tomorrow morning is your chance to win a pair of tickets to see this man live in concert. Now, the guy, I mean, he really does kind of look disheveled. He, uh, his teeth are, well, he's got summer teeth going on. You know, summer teeth are going this way. Summer teeth are going that way. Um, he's, he's, <clears throat> it certainly looks like a, a homeless guy. And, you know, he's out there, the God bless and everything. I love, I love the homeless guys that are into God. That's my favorite, by the way. Homeless guys that are into God are, are the greatest. I mean, I guess at that point, you, wouldn't you be kind of pissed off at God if you were, if you were homeless? Wouldn't you be a little bit upset? Wouldn't you be like, God, man, you know, I had it all. At one point, I had it going on in life. I had a radio career going on. Now I'm homeless. Thanks a lot, God. You, you think you, you gave me this voice, and now now what? I don't know. You'd think that I love it. homeless guys. 
It, it is weird in this. You know, what's weird is the poorer you are, the more into God you are. I'm not sure I get that. Well, maybe I do get it. I guess I guess you, you think that if you're really if you're super poor, if you really get into God, that you're going to get rewarded. You're going to somehow you're going to get a whole bunch of money just dropped on you. You're going to be like, God, Jesus. I mean, professional athletes are into God because they'd been into God anyway. And they continue to be unless they lose the game, then you never hear about Jesus. But if they win, they always thank Jesus. If they lose, I guess it's because the devil made them lose. I don't know. The homeless guy's into God. That's weird. So anyway, yeah, this guy. So he's got this radio voice. And then here's more of his story. Here's more. So he's interviewed. I just said, well, hey, I can't be an actor. I can't be an on-air personality. But the voice just became something of, uh, of a development over years. And I went to school for it. And then alcohol and drugs and a few other things became a part of my life. And I got two years clean. He called me on my birthday. And now, this is his mother, by the way. This is his, the mother of Ted Williams. And uh, now he, well, we'll get into more of his story in a minute, but this is his mother. He called me on my birthday. He didn't even know how old I was. He was telling people I'm 92. I'm not no 92, I'm 90. He lost a good job. He destroyed his family through drugs. So there's, I prayed and prayed, but I always said, I guess my prayers wasn't strong enough. It never got through to him. And I went out there and they talking about the man with the golden voice. I said, who is that? That's your son. He come from a nice family, and then he went poor, poor. So maybe this will build him up. Right after these words. All right, so that's the story. Now, he says he did fall into some hard times and drugs and alcohol, and that's how he wound up becoming homeless. Well, as is always the case with one of these stories, the reality, uh, there's always a little bit more to the story. As Paul Harvey would say, and now the rest of the story. Ted Williams um, not only fell into drugs and alcohol, but he has a rap sheet about a mile long. What I love, well, here's, here's some of the, here's, here's what's going on. Guy's 53 years old. Uh, his rap sheet, though, he has a bit of a criminal past. He didn't really mention that in any interview, but of course, uh, found on the smokinggun.com, you can dig up his criminal history. Uh, his rap sheet includes busts for theft, robbery, escape, forgery, drug possession, and, well, that's just sort of the short version of all this. Most troubling, though, of this story is that Williams might not be the changed man that he claims to be. He may actually have been involved in criminal mischief, some shenanigans, as recently as a few months ago. This is from The Smoking Gun. Check this out. The convicted felon's speedy rise to fame is not sitting well with the Columbus businessmen who called cops on Williams and a female companion in early July. The man, a manager at the National Tire and Battery, told cops that Williams and the woman were, quote, refusing to leave the business property. And they had become an ongoing problem for the business, according to the police report. Police reports writes, while Williams begged customers for money, the woman gets picked up and dropped off in the parking lot by various and numerous males in different vehicles. 
The management had repeatedly asked the two suspects to stay off the property and have been cussed and yelled at by the suspects for their effort. Cops warned Williams and his companion that they would have uh, that they would be arrested if they returned to the property. The businessman who uh, wanted to only be identified as Dan told uh, the smoking gun that Williams newfound uh, notoriety had left him a little aggravated. The man said that he had seen Williams urinate in front of the business and watched recently as his female friend stripped to their underwear as they changed into dry clothes during a rainstorm. Dan added that the company shared a lot with the Lowe's store and they'd seen Williams stealing items from cars parked by customers uh, visiting the home improvement firm. Quote, he's basically been a thief for the past two years, Dan said. The businessman added that last month the uh, cops were putting Williams in a squad car. However, the Columbus Division of Police had no record of Williams being uh, collared uh, during that time. So this guy has got a rap sheet. He's not very popular with people in Columbus, Ohio. And his newfound notoriety seems to... Well, I got to tell you, when I first heard this story, I thought, well, you know, I, I, I was very mixed on this. And I was, I, I've had several conversations with, uh, with people about this, and everybody seems to say the same thing to me. They go, oh, what, Mike? Are, are you upset because... A homeless guy is getting a job. A homeless guy is getting job offers. And I said, no, I certainly don't begrudge a homeless guy some opportunity to, to advance. My problem is, though, is here you have there's a lot of radio guys, a lot of guys with great voices, a lot of guys with talent in this industry. And I'm not even going to just lump myself in, although I will, I, I guess I might as well. I mean, there are guys that do things the right way and play by the rules and send out the tapes and resumes and work hard and fight and market and do everything that they need to do to try and get themselves uh, into the radio biz. This guy, on the other hand, had some success. He was in the radio biz and he pissed it away. This guy fell into drugs and alcohol. Then he started committing crimes, forgery, larceny, robbery, escape, and other crimes. Public urination, facilitating, like being a pimp. I mean... That's what this guy was up to, and and now his uh, and and he was homeless, and of course the reward for all of that is he gets gigs, and meanwhile guys with lots of talent, and again never mind just me, okay, Got other guys with lots and lots of talent, uh, they they don't even get recognized. But meanwhile this guy is getting calls from agencies all over the place. It really kind of rubs me the wrong way. It, it sort of sends the message of it used to be in this country that you worked hard and you were rewarded for it. Hard work equals success. Hard work equals a payoff of some sort. Yeah, maybe you wouldn't be a millionaire. Yeah, maybe you wouldn't rise to the top completely, but at least you'd get somewhere if you worked hard at it. But instead, what this message says to me is it says, hey, if you're a freak, if you've got some sort of weird story, and you know what? Maybe if you if you fall into some hard times, you know, people in this country, they really love the 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 tragic, the underdog story. They really like the bad boys. They really like people that screw up. You know, that Charlie Sheen, he continues to get opportunity after opportunity. Meanwhile, he beats women. He's with prostitutes. He does drugs. He does all this kind of crazy stuff, and yet he keeps getting opportunities. Robert Downey Jr., another guy that did the same thing. He's big into the drug thing. You know, lots of a rap sheet a mile long. 
same thing. What was that woman? Uh, the, 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 the one that threw the phone at her assistant. Another one. Naomi Campbell or whatever. They all get these opportunities in spite of the fact that they're complete screw-ups. And I'm sorry, this guy. Oh, and here's the best part about this guy. I didn't even tell you the best part. So not only was he a drunk, not only was he into drugs, not only does he have a criminal record of mile long. The guy has nine kids. And in fact, the woman he was married to and left 24 years ago. He went off and got with another woman and had a child with her. She was on drugs. He then leaves her and uh, the, the kid that he has with woman number two, he brings back to woman number one and woman number one raises that kid as well. That first wife is. Now that's the saint. That's the hero of this story. This Ted Williams is a real douche. I'm sorry, I, I I hate to sound like I'm coming across as bitter here, but I really hate to see a guy who's a real douchebag get, get more opportunities than people that have done it the right way. I can name 50 guys in the radio biz that do it the right way and just don't get the opportunity. I know a guy, the guy that writes the, the automation system that we used for our radio stations, our, our online stations for years, that guy, he worked at, in Syracuse, Busting his ass, making $20,000 a year. This guy worked like 60 hours a week. He would be busting his ass. He had three different jobs, and one of them was with, you know, doing radio. He worked like uh, 40 to 60 hours a week, 20000 a year. This guy just did nothing but work hard for that company that he was with, albeit the cheapest radio company of all. And while he didn't have a great radio voice per se, he had an incredible work ethic. And he was very smart, very good at coding, very good at, at writing, you know, at software and everything like that. I know another guy, good voice, good talent, guy had a job for a while and then lost it. I know another guy who worked, uh, who did some work for stations in the South and uh, he, he was working very hard and, you know, he, he just couldn't really advance any further. And again, a guy with a great work ethic, a guy that like he would he worked on Christmas. The guy the guy once worked like 16 straight hours just because he wanted to show that he was a real, you know, go getter and that he really had what it takes. And meanwhile, he's not getting his due. But again, talented guys. But a guy that, you know, just walks off the street and is, and is a, a drunk and and obviously a carouser of women into into drugs, alcohol, all that stuff criminal that's who gets rewarded what message does that send we're learning all sorts of weird life lessons today here on the show if you kill someone and then you plead insanity you really won't ever have to do any jail time and you might even get to go out and be a part of society again if you're a criminal and just a general douche just go out and 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 do it and do things the wrong way and that'll make you more marketable. You know what I saw? I saw there's a couple of guys now on radio and and I thought about doing this too. I this was suggested to me I should do this. I already saw a couple of guys uh, go out on the street. There's videos of this. There's a couple of guys that go out on the street and they hold up signs. Radio guys. And uh, they're do, they're trying to, you know, capitalize on this bit now. They're making fun of this uh, Ted Williams story. 
I should do that here in Phoenix. I should just go out there. And what I'll do is I'll just talk to everybody like this. The number one hit music station. I'll just do that. I'll make sure I have a crack pipe in my hand while I do it, though. Because that's apparently what you have to do. And again, I don't care. I don't begrudge a homeless guy an opportunity. If he was just a homeless guy who got a, who, 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 you know, was just down on his luck, he, he lost his radio job, as so many people have, because this is a cruel business. If he was just a homeless guy that lost his job and that was it, that was the end of the story, and he was getting a job offer, and, you know, I'd be like, cool. Or even if he was a guy that was pulling a scam, he was pulling a hoax, I'd, I'd give him credit for, you know, having, uh, for being, you know, market savvy. For coming up with a, a scams, coming up with a with a scheme, you know, coming up with a, a market ploy. That would have been fine. But when you learn that the guy is just a colossal douche who ran out on his wife and his kids, who, you know, treats his mom like crap, who is the criminal and, and all this other stuff. It just kind of breaks your heart. You know what I mean? It really does. It just bothers me. We gotta take a break. And uh, we'll come back and, uh, you know, we got some more stuff to do. The Michael Graff Show stupid news file. We have some other things to talk about. Mike at KMGX.com is our email address. All of our contact information, including ways to donate to this program, keep us on the air, keep us all going. You can comment on these shows and anything else. All sorts of stuff. It's all up and available. It's brand new. It's there. It's the one, the only, MichaelGraff.com. Thank you so much. We will be back. Um... We got more to go. It's the zip code famous Michael Groff Show. It's official. Hillary Fox is the best ever. Check out the work of the website goddess herself at the all new MichaelGroff.com. You're listening to the Michael Groff Show. Segment number three. I will keep calling you to see if you're sleeping or you're dreaming. If you're dreaming or you're dreaming of me. It's 
the zip code famous Michael Graff show on a Monday. It's January 10th, 2011. More stories about birds dropping out of the sky. What is going on? We've got we've got people getting shot. We got uh, people that just are colossal douchebags getting jobs, and I'm not even talking about Ryan Seacrest. And then uh, we've got more of these birds dropping out of the sky this time. We got another story uh, from Mississippi. Unbelievable. I swear, you know, I would I would say it's time to go to the Michael Grav Show stupid news file, and it is. But unfortunately, the nuttiness is even there. Check this out. This is a truly disturbing story um, from New Jersey. A man who claimed he was seeking the portal to hell repeatedly stabbed two women early Friday after they noticed uh, that uh, there were misplaced items in their backyard and opened the door to a shed where the man was staked out. According to law enforcement, a neighbor jumped the fence after hearing the women scream and uh, hit the assailant in the head with a baseball bat. 25-year-old Morgan Mez was the attacker. The two women were seriously hurt. Mess was charged with three counts of attempted murder and was being held on $1.5 million bail. Authorities did not know if Mez had an attorney and a phone number for him could not be found. These stabbings occurred at around 6 a.m. after the two women, aged 50 and 53, let their dog outside. They noticed that contents of their uh, yard had been strewn across the lawn, according to the Union County Prosecutor's Office. The shed door, though, uh, door the shed door, though, was closed. Uh, Mezd, armed with a knife and a hatchet, pounced after uh, they after one woman opened the shed door. Union Township Police Director Dan Zeiser told the Star Ledger of Newark that Mez said that he cleared out the shed as he sought the portal to hell. The 33-year-old Agadello uh, suffered several stabs, several wounds, and was treated at a hospital and then released on Friday. The prosecutor's office said that the dog was unharmed. Quote, this act, is, this, this act of selflessness and bravery is commendable. If the guy that, that hit this dude in the head with the baseball bat, I mean, everybody got, got stabbed. Everybody got wounded as a result of this story. Just, just disgusting. All right, um, then, well, here's something that'll lighten up the mood just a little bit. I guess police have probably heard every kind of excuse when they pull over a drunk driver. You know, you get, you pull somebody over, they always, first of all, everybody always uses the standard line of, well, I had two beers. I had two drinks. Well, uh, I bet, I bet police had never, never heard this before. Astonished police who stopped a car for drunk driving found a found a horny goat in the passenger seat being taken on a date by a farmer owner. The 54-year-old driver, who was three times over the legal limit, claimed that his goat had been lonely and he'd been at a friend's farm in Kretzin, Poland, to meet a female goat. 
only in Poland. Quote, they had had a few vodkas to break the ice and then some more to celebrate. And by the time he left uh, with his uh, how uh, with his now not so lonely goat, he was very drunk. He was very sorry, but uh, he was uh, he was very sorry for being a danger to others. Uh, he lost his license and he may very well go to prison for a while as a result. And then there's this. Police said that a woman ordering $3,000 worth of food from a Campbell Boulevard restaurant about noon Friday tried to use two stolen credit cards. The woman placed an order for 255 grilled chicken sandwiches with the, with the Hearth and Vine restaurant. However, restaurant employees became suspicious and contacted the credit card companies. An investigation is underway. Gee, I wonder what caused them to get suspicious. Can you imagine somebody walks into your restaurant? I'd like uh, 255 chicken sandwiches, please. Grilled chicken sandwiches at that. 255. Well, yeah, I got me these credit cards right here. Well, how come there's two different names on these? Oh, never you mind that. Just give me my 255. What was this? That is is this the same woman that uh is this the same woman <laughs> the same woman that's trying to gain all that weight intentionally? Is that who had the credit cards? That's about the only explanation. <laughs> yeah, generally if you this is just uh, a little a little and maybe I shouldn't give this advice out over the air, but this is just a little theft 101. If you're going to commit credit card fraud, if you're going to steal somebody's credit card and then use it to purchase something, it's a bad idea. But okay, you know, maybe buy one grilled chicken sandwich or, you know, maybe two. It probably shouldn't go over the top there and order 255 chicken sandwiches. You're probably going to arouse suspicion. I mean, maybe not if you're Michael Moore or Oprah. Or Star Jones or something, you know. If you're if you're Rosie, I don't think you're going to arouse all that much suspicion if you get 255. Oh, it's it's just Michael Moore. He always gets 250. Only 255 today, Mr. Moore. But generally, if you walk into a place and you and you throw, uh, I'd like a uh, hundred. I'd like 255 grilled chicken sandwiches, 176 fries, uh, 37 large cokes, uh, and make uh, and and also a diet coke. And uh, two apple pies. Two? Well, better make it 200, actually. Yeah. 200 apple pies. Thank you. All right. That'll be $15,000. Pay at the window. Okay. I have two credit cards for this order. Unbelievable. <laughs> What's going on, man? What is going on? Maybe, maybe the whole thing about 2012, maybe it is all true. Maybe it's not all crap. I mean, maybe there really is something to the fact that the world could be very well coming to an end in 2012. Yeah, birds dropping out of the sky randomly. You got fish dying all over the place. You have the Seattle Seahawks, a losing team, a team with a losing record who actually won their playoff game. They beat the New Orleans Saints. Unbelievable. Can't believe that happened. Do you know this is this is a true story regarding the Seahawks? And I know but he's talking about sports again. But this is uh, interesting. So in that game, the crowd noise at one point after after the uh, the the Seahawks scored a touchdown, which basically put the game out of reach. The crowd of seventy thousand people got so loud at Quest Field in Seattle. So raucous 
that the uh, Seismological Institute, located relatively nearby, they actually detected a minor earthquake that was created by the crowd noise and stomping and subsequent raucousness, the, 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 uh, the ruckus that took place. So the Seattle fans actually created an earthquake there. You know, they'd know about earthquakes. Remember, they had that bad earthquake about uh, 10, 11 years ago up there. They had uh, Mount St. Helens and all that stuff. The fans were so boisterous, they created a small earthquake that actually showed up on seismological instruments. That's pretty weird. Yeah, I didn't really break down the NFL playoffs. I know. What's wrong with me? I know it was. You know, it's weird. I mean, the games, some of them were, were competitive. Some of them were compelling. Some of them were not. That Jets-Colts game, that was a great game. Jets beat the Colts. Unbelievable. All right, we're out of here. Um, Mike at KMGX.com. Whoops. Uh, well, turned off my own microphone there. I, I don't think I've ever done that. In the history of my own show, I don't think I've ever turned off my microphone in the middle of talking. I went to press another button, and I did that. It's a sign to get out of here. I, I, I'm telling you right now, the universe has been trying to tell me something for a little while. <laughs> and I'll leave it at that. All right, the one, the only MichaelGroff.com. That's the place to go. The all new and exciting MichaelGroff.com. Once again, my beloved Hillary, the website goddess, the goddess of web. Responsible for much of it. I did provide some content, of course. But otherwise, it's all her, babe. And so you can go there, post, uh, play around, log in. What's the universe trying to tell me? You might be asking, what is the... I'll tell you what. That shall be saved for the next edition of this show. There's a tease. Let me see here. We'll find out soon enough. Our PayPal address for this program, um, donate. We encourage it. Mike at KMGX.com. Once again, Mike at KMGX.com. That is our PayPal address. Send money. If you really like this show, if you like the work that the goddess of web has done, or, you know, if you think I'm kind of neat, then uh, you can always send a, uh, a donation. Especially relevant if uh, I follow the universe's advice. We'll see you next time. Have a great night. Back tomorrow, another edition of the Zip Code Famous Michael Grav Show. Good night, everybody.